Well, today we are starting a brand new series called Rise Up. And uh, it's going to be a, a cool series. We're actually going to do it in a team teaching style. So right. the next four weeks, we're going to have uh, various people up here just talking about this. And it's one of our favorite ways to teach. Yeah. And, and so um, we're just going to kind of jump in. And, and, you know, we are all living kind of in a time that there's a little bit of upheaval in our lives. Um, what you'd say, some chaos maybe going on, some uncertainty. Yep. You know, things just really aren't normal. And the thing that, you know, Bruce, you and I have talked a lot about is that people navigate this differently. Yes, definitely. Coming from all different <laughs> angles and all different sides. And yeah, so we wanted to give an opportunity in this series to maybe get us all going in the same, same direction. direction. Exactly, exactly. And, and here's the bottom line, and you've heard us say this from the very beginning, is that we're going to come through this, and that God is, God is still on the throne. He's not shaken by any of this, and right. that's where we have to focus our, our intent on, you know, is, is right. knowing that, hey, God is still there. He's still going to bring us through this, and, and it gives us a unique opportunity, honestly, to show the world that, hey, you know what? Yeah, there's a crisis going on, but there's something different about those people. Right. I mean, we ought to be the ones leading the charge for how this can look in a positive direction. How can we take what is a hard thing, uh, something that's interrupted our lives, and move it to something that can be positive? Exactly. And honestly, if you think about this, we were actually talking about this a little bit ago in the office, is that, you know, yeah, we are definitely in a crisis that is involving everybody. Right. But we all go through these kind of events, these kind of things in our lives all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's all hitting us all at one time right now. We're all experiencing the same thing at the same time, which is a, a unique piece. But um, it's really just magnified what we go through all the time in our lives, which there's always upheaval. There's always things going on that we have to try to overcome. And right. so this has just kind of brought it to the forefront. You know, when you think about your life and what you've experienced, we've all been knocked down. Right. You know, it may be in, in, in a financial thing. You've, you've lost a job at some time. Maybe a marriage thing where a, a marriage has fallen apart. It may be, you know, a, a death of a loved one or someone in your family. And so we, we have experience of all being knocked down, and it's not going to stop. Even after this is over, right. there's going to be time. So this, what we're going to be talking about today is, is, is something that we can actually build on and that we can go, go forward moving, okay? Yeah. And, and I love a pastor uh, we were actually listening to actually said this. He said, um, getting knocked down is inevitable, but rising up is optional. Right. And that's what we want to prepare ourselves for and get ourselves is, you know what? Yeah, it's tough. It may be hard right now, but we are going to make it through this and we are going to rise up. Okay. And so we're going to look at a, a, a character that, you know, honestly, until I read this story again, <laughs> yeah. I actually had to look up in, in the contents of, uh, to get to the book because we're going to be in the book of Ezra <laughs> if you want to get there. I wouldn't yeah. do that. I would just just wait until it comes up on the screen <laughs> as we're reading it. Yeah. But it's one of those little-known characters, and um, I think it's just it's really rele relevant to us. But yeah. talk a little bit about, you know, just the state of Israel, if you will, of, of what they have been going through. Right. Israel, you know, we've talked before about how in the Old Testament really is the story of the Israelite nation. And um, throughout that story, the Old Testament, you see this constant up and down with them. Right. And times where... They draw close to God and they, they follow what God asked them to do. And remember in the Old Testament, we're talking about the Old Testament covenant where it's, um, you know, God asked them to do this and then they're supposed to respond by following in obedience. And it's a kind of a, if you will do this, then I will do this kind of relationship. And it's a constant up and down. And we're talking over thousands of years, right. but it's this ebb and flow of them moving closer to God, following his will, being in a close relationship with him, and then turning away, going against what God has asked them to do. 
and, uh, and then falling away and, and then reaping um, the, the dire circumstance <laughs> yeah, or the, the, results, dire, of the yeah. results of that um, and having to figure out now what do we do and, and inevitably ends in them turning back toward God right. and developing that relationship. And so we're just in another one of those cycles here with Ezra. And the Babylonians at one point come in and they basically destroy the temple, they destroy the wall, they destroy Israel. Right. You know, and then they take the people and they actually take them out to be slaves. You know, they actually take the brightest, uh, the smartest, the strongest people, so they can go out and, and build up their own kingdoms. Right. And they just leave leave Jerusalem desolate. Right. And that's and that's kind of where we are. And and Jeremiah prophesies that 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 the Jews will return to Jerusalem. And that's honestly where Ezra is really holding on to. That is his hope, and that he says, you know, this is, this is where it's going to be. Yeah, and you've got to remember, Jerusalem, again, is the epicenter. It's not just where they live. It's, right. It symbolizes the, the central location of their entire life and religion. It's where the temple was. It was where God's presence was. It was where everything else revolved around what was in Jerusalem, and they've been exiled. They've been thrown out of that city for years now, and, uh, and now... The, the Persians have overthrown the Babylonians and the Persians are basically saying, we'll let you go back. We'll let you go back to the place of your ancestry, your heritage, the place that means so much for you. And, uh, and they begin to do that. Right, and, and the story takes place in, in several different, you know, you'll see it in, in Ezra, you'll also see it in Nehemiah. Right. And there's actually three waves that happens is that, that um, the Jews go back to Jerusalem to start rebuilding. And the very first wave, uh, Zerubbabel, if I said that correctly, Zerubbabel. goes back. Zerubbabel. <laughs> yeah, you, you should have said that. And um, he starts rebuilding actually the altar, and that's where he starts. Right. he starts. And I think it's interesting that the very first thing that they rebuild is their center core of religion. Right. And yeah. so he goes back, and he has all kinds of issues, but he ends up uh, building the, the altar and then the temple, rebuilds all of right. that. And about 80 years later is then the second wave is, is when Ezra comes in. Right. And Ezra is a person who's going to reestablish worship. They've yeah. got the temple now. Right. Now the next phase is we're going to reestablish um, the worship, and he goes back to do that. And then next week we'll be talking about Nehemiah, and Nehemiah actually goes in to rebuild the wall around so they can be protected. Right. So that's but kind of the three It's phases. interesting that they, even before they worry about protecting themselves um, or creating the, you know, the national... Uh, the nation's security system, um, they first say, but the first thing we've got to do is get back to where God's temple is right. And then Ezra comes along and says, where we reestablish how we're going to connect with God, yeah. how we're going to worship him, how we're going to, you know, again, we've had to deal with the circumstances of us turning from God. So now let's make sure we make that a priority uh, when we come back and establish that first. So that's kind of the story we're looking at. Exactly, today. that's great stuff. And so what happens is, so the, the, the temple and, and, and uh, has been rebuilt, and so it's been, like I said, about 80 years, and Ezra starts to come in, and that's where we pick it up. And honestly, Ezra comes in, and he <laughs> is appalled because what has happened is they've gone back again. The pendulum has swung once again, and they've yeah. gone back, and they're intermarrying, they're worshiping pagan gods, and... And he just can't believe what is actually going on. Yeah, so. it doesn't take them very long <laughs> at all. I mean, they're just back to this. And what had caused God's um, wrath or the circumstances that led to them being scattered was, again, them disobeying what God had asked them to do in areas like uh, worshiping false gods uh, that came from because they started to intermarry with the uh, pagan nations around them. 
And so Ezra comes back, they've rebuilt the temple, he comes back, and what does he find? That they're starting to do this exact, same, the exact same thing. Like, and he cannot believe yeah, it. Yeah, he, he goes into this fit, basically, and throws himself on the floor, <laughs> um, you know, rolling around. Like, he, has a, he has a full-blown meltdown, he is does, what he does. He yeah. does, he just can't believe that this is exactly what's happening already. And so we pick up the story in Ezra chapter 9, and we're going to start reading just with verse 3 and kind of read some verses throughout the chapter. And it says, when I heard this, I tore my tunic and cloak, pulled hair from my head and beard, and sat down appalled. Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel gathered around me because of this unfaithfulness of the exiles. And I sat there appalled until the evening sacrifice. Yeah. It's like he didn't even know what to do. He's like, Really, he's curled up in the corner in the fetal position. Right. It's like, I don't even know. You know, my whole life has been to get us back here to reestablish uh, our relationship with God, and here we are. We're still in the middle of reclaiming that, and we're already going right back to. And, and he was. came back with expectations of what it was going to be like. Right. He came back knowing, hey, this is what I want to do. This is what you know. I want to reestablish right. the worship, and look around me. Yeah. And how many times have we been in a situation like that? We right. go through those times in our lives that we look around and it's nothing like we expected. Right. You, know, this, you know, I expected my marriage to go this way. I expected my finances, my job to go a certain way. And here we are. And so yeah. we have some choices to make at that point. Yeah, and you know, another piece that's I think really relevant to us today even is um, I think we get in some of these times too, especially like what we're in uh, going through together now. And um, another direction that it goes is we go, okay, I'm gonna change some things now. I'm yes. gonna do it differently. When this is all over, you know, like for them, if I could just get back to, uh, to Jerusalem, if we could just rebuild the temple, then, you know, I'm gonna do things differently because I don't want it to end up the same way. And then, you know, that time of separation is over and we come back and all of a sudden we just fall right back into the old routines. It honestly scares me about a little bit of exactly what you said going through is, is once we get through this, and we know we're going to get right. through it, is that we can't go back to normal. Right. Now, we're not going to be able to go back to total normal, but, but we can't go back to those, some of those things. We can't let the pendulum swing and say, hey, you know what? Things are just going to be back normal. Now I'm, I'm, I'm in the same place that I've always been. Yeah, I was talking to you earlier today about how this is almost like a, a magnified New Year's Absolutely. resolution time where we could look at this and go, you know what? I want things to be different going forward. This is a break in my routine and in my lifestyle. It's an opportunity for me to actually say, I want some things to be different when we go back into whatever normal life is gonna look like. And um, you know, I heard uh, another pastor talking the other day and he said, if we don't have a vision of where we're going into the future, we'll just step back into the past. Right. And I think that's what we're trying to say, do. Say that again. Yeah, if we don't have a vision or if we don't have goals for our future, where we want to go, what we want to change, what we want to accomplish, what we want to tweak or do differently, uh, by default, we'll just slip right back into our past. We go back in the same habits. Yep. We go back in the same addictions. We go back in the same, and that's exactly. not what we want. Right. We can come out of this. If we're going to rise up, Right. We, we need to make some changes and we need to stay steadfast with those changes. Yeah, let's take this as an opportunity to almost hit a reset button in yes. some areas of our life and go, you know what, here's what I wish were different. Boy, can I spend some of this time uh, planning and, and putting a, uh, a future in place, a vision in place of what I want to do differently coming out of this so that I don't just slip right back into where I was. Yeah, that's great stuff. So, um, Ezra 
goes on in uh, chapter 10, verse 1. It says, while Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, that must have been a scene, <laughs> a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children, gathered around him, and they too wept bitterly. Yeah. So it wasn't just him. It was, I think, probably some of those people went, oh, he's I guess right. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't realize, you know, we've talked before about how uh, you don't typically make um, conscious bad decisions to slip back into bad routines. You just kind of drift there. Yes. And I wonder if some of these people went, oh, we didn't even realize we drifted right back. And I love the picture of the community surrounding him. Right. You know, everybody coming around, looking at, having empathy, entering into the, the, the pain and, and anguish that, that yep. Ezra has and coming alongside and weeping with him. Right. And, but, but they don't stay there. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's the recognition of, oh, this is where we are, but we're going to find out here that they decide but let's not stay where we are. Yeah, the next, the next verse we're going to look at is Ezra chapter 10, exactly what we were just talking about. Uh, verse 4, it says this, Rise up, the matter is in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. Yeah. It kind of sounds like a Nike commercial. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> just do it. And, yeah. and, and I love that picture of we have a tendency, I know I do, I do this all the time, is, is you want to almost feel sorry for yourself. And you want to kind of wallow in it for a while. But this is a picture of, man, you need to rise up. This is in your hands. Yeah. You can do something about this, and we have your back, right. is what they're saying. It's not just you do it, go off and do it. It's we're going to do this together. We're going to do it together. Rise up. Let me take you by the hand. Let's do this together. You know, let's, let's go all in together um, push each other, encourage each other, um, and not just leave ourselves to have to do it on our own. And that's why community is so crucial and so important. Even in these times, there's, right. there's ways to figure out how do we do community, exactly. how do we still come alongside each other, right. how do we have our friends there, and it's about basically saying that, you know what, we're not done yet. Right. The best is yet to come. We have got to go. We got to move. We got to rise up and, and make the best out of these circumstances. Yeah, would we rather not do, be doing what we're doing? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But man, we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to get out of this. Right. I, right. I, I love that. And so uh, there's there's this phrase that that I've heard, and I've actually preached on this before and said this before here. But I love this: is we get to a place that that you know we we don't want to be in the place that we're in. We want to move on, and we don't know exactly where to start from here. And I love this statement. And when I looked this up, I, could, I couldn't really attribute to anybody because some people said, you know, Martin Luther said this. Some people said St. Augustine said this. Some people said Mother Teresa said this. We don't know who said it, <laughs> but I love this. And it says this, pray as though everything depends on God, but work as though everything depends on you. Pray, pray that, you know, God, if you don't do that, if you don't come through, man, I, we're not going to make it. We're right. not going to. And, and that's how we need to pray. Right. Because the reality is that it, there is, we do need God. Absolutely. Like, you know, we don't have total control over everything, so we've got to have uh, God walking alongside us and his power in our life. And, but the second part of that is that you do need to do everything that you can in your power right? as if God, God is, you know, he's, yeah. just gonna, he's only going to use you to get through this thing. Exactly, and, and I think that's what we see sometimes in Israel in the Old Testament is, um, you know, many times God would say, do this, and people would cry out to him and go, God, deliver us from this. And kind of God's response was, well, if you do what I'm asking you to do, then I will come alongside exactly. you. But there's a role that you have to play. You have to be a part of this moving forward, this rising up. And so what is it that you need to do 
um, to partner with God to move in that direction. Right. So the story goes on, and, and, and this actually backs up a little bit into Ezra, actually, chapter 7, because we get a picture of, right. of Ezra himself in, in this verse. And, yeah. and it's just a partial verse of 9. It's 9 and 10. It says this, For the gracious hand of God was on him. Yeah. And so we have Ezra already that he knows that God is in his corner right. and that he's experienced that because of who he is, of how he is, God has been gracious to him and shown him graciousness. And, and I don't think that's because Ezra was special. No. Like, it wasn't because God just said, I'm going to help you more than I'm going to help other people. It was Ezra realized that God was gracious to him. He, he realized God's presence in his life. He realized he had developed that relationship over time. And so God's grace and his hand being on him was, was more Ezra's realization that God had been with him not that Ezra was any different than the rest that, of that us. God singled him out and said, right. okay, I'm going to give you this, but I'm not going to give right. you this. He gives yeah. that to all of us. Yeah, and which actually, go in, in verse 10 then it says, for Ezra had devoted, some versions they said his heart, yep. for Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord right. and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. I think it goes exactly what you're saying is, is he devoted himself. He said his heart is, I'm, I'm going to be centered on God. Right. And we talk about that all the time here is we need to be centered on Jesus, that our whole lives, no matter what we're doing in every aspect of our lives, has to be centered on Christ. Right. And that's what Ezra was. And it's not just centered on, it says that he did it. Right. He observed it. So he, it wasn't just head knowledge. It wasn't he just, hey, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I read my scripture. I, I memorize a few verses. I come to church. I put it into action in my everyday life. Right, which is why I think you saw the, his reaction earlier, uh, you know, well, we talked about earlier, but it was later in the story when he realized where they were headed again. It was because his whole life was centered around this relationship with God. And when he saw that going away again, it tore him up so much it, because he, he was invested it, in it. It so just much. wrecked him. Right. It just wrecked him. And, and I think that's why he has the gracious hand of God on him is because he poured so much of himself into that relationship. And so that's what, you know, in these times and whenever mm -hmm. you go through these in the future is that, We've got to recenter ourselves. Right. We got. We got to ask ourselves. Okay. Am I? Is my relationship with God the, the sole purpose? Is it the center of who I am? Right. It's crucial. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's wrap up with um, last part of this story. It comes from Ezra. We're back in chapter nine now, uh, verse eight and nine says, "But now, for a brief moment, the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in His sanctuary." And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. We'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. Though we were slaves, our God has not forsaken us in our bondage, but he has shown us kindness in the sight of the kings of Persia. He has granted us new life to rebuild the house of our God and repair its ruins. And he has given us a wall of protection in Judah and Jerusalem. So lots of stuff in there. See, right. Um, but one of them is that Ezra is able to kind of turn his, his gaze, turn his focus on the future. It says one of the things God does is provides us with a little light, a little hope, the light at the end of the tunnel. Things can be different. It doesn't have to stay this way, right? And then that phrase, and a little relief, relief. in our bondage. Like, right. Talk about that. Yeah, it's just, you know, it, God just shouldn't say, okay, yeah, I hear you, and now you don't have the problem anymore. Right. You're staying in bondage. Right. You're staying with all these issues, and we're going to give you 
A little relief. A little relief. It's almost <laughs> like I, that phrase tends to make me think like, I'm going to relieve enough that you can get through this. Right. Uh, but not so much that it's just easy, right? Like you're still going to have to rely on me. You're still going to have to change. You're still going to have to go through some struggles. But I'm going to make sure that it doesn't take you down. Exactly. And then the next line says, though, though we are slaves, our God has not forsaken us. So even in our troubles... Right. Because I think one of the first things that we start to do is that we start thinking, well, where's God in all this? Right. And, and he's forsaken me. What, if I'm a Christ follower, I shouldn't be having to, to deal with all this. And it says that, 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 you know, that he has not forsaken us in our bondage. Right. And what Ezra is doing here, he's actually finding purpose in his problem. Right. He's got an issue here, doesn't like it, but he's trying to figure out, okay, God is still with me. I still have that gracious hand of God on me. And there's, there's a purpose here, right? and I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to rise up above this and yep. figure it out. Yeah, it's um, too often I think we relate problems to a lack of God's presence. We've talked about this in the last year, that those two things are not connected. Those two things are not a, a cause and effect, that if I have problems, it means God's presence has left me. That's not true. Um, and this is another one of those verses where Ezra grasped that and said, even in my struggles, even in my bondage, God's presence has never left me. And I think for us as Christ followers, that's one of the hardest things uh. for us to get to is where our focus and our desire in our relationship with him is, um, gets past wanting God to just help us with our problems and gets to where we relish his presence more than we care about whether our problems are all fixed. And valuing his presence more than helping us get out of the problems, that's a maturity level that I think if we can get there, it changes your whole perspective on life. And you have always said that it, it's a, a mindset change of, of understanding that, that, that God is not here for us. Right. That we are here for God. Yes. And it's a tough one it to is. get to that point. But once you get to that point, it changes everything. And... The, the oxymoron here is that when you do that, you experience so much more joy than if you just continue to pursue trying to get rid of your problems. Exactly. There's so much joy in valuing and understanding and, and chasing the presence of God as the ultimate goal. And uh, man, people who are able to do that live this kind of life full of joy that goes way beyond whatever the circumstances are in their life. That is powerful stuff. Yeah. So no matter where you find yourself today, no matter where you are in the, in the whole range and set of emotions you are, it is time for us to rise up. We can't quit. We've got to keep moving on. We've got to leverage our circumstances for best and watch what God is going to do because I believe he wants to use each and every one exactly. of us in a, a unique way. Yeah, I would just challenge you during this time to go, what is it that I don't want to fall back to right. in the way my life was before this started? Um, you know, I've got a pause in my life. We all have one here that our routines have been disrupted and just spend some time saying, what is it that I don't want to go back to when life starts up kind of as our new normal again? And I would encourage you to start with, um, where is my relationship with God? Where do I want that relationship with God to move toward in the future? What plans do I need to put in place? What vision do I have? for how that needs to be, um, and then share it with someone. Like we said with Ezra, 
uh, don't try to do it alone. Yes. You know, get other people on board with you. You know, start a new Bible plan together on version, or, um, you know, start a small group. We, you know, all of us have got started getting used to using Zoom now, um, you know, doing Zoom meetings or FaceTime meetings, even if you can't get into the same room. Um, whatever it is for you, developing, what's that habit that I could start developing now that will put me ahead so my future looks different than my past. And, and like you said, we can rise up and uh, turn this into a positive thing that when we come out of this, uh, we can be even stronger as the church together. Exactly. Hey, let me pray, pray for us today. Father, we are just so thankful that uh, we are able to get together just like this. And I pray no matter what is going on out there, no matter the feelings that people are, are, are dealing with right now, is that we are encouraged that we can rise up, that your gracious hand is with us, that, that you know the outcome, that you have not forsaken us, you've not let us <laughs> just do this whole thing by ourselves, that you are still there. God, I just pray, pray that you'd impress that on each and every one of our hearts. Father, we are so thankful for the way that you guide us and direct us. We just can't wait to see what you're going to do in us and through us during this time. And it's in the amazing name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you'll be back next Sunday at 1030 so that we can go on with week number two of Rise Up. Have a great week.